0: well again welcome to freedom it's good to see you all here this morning and uh, to those of you who are uh, joining us online thank you for tuning in good to have you uh, be a part of freedom online Dave if you guys could hit uh, the main lights appreciate it it uh, it's always good to get a little bit of a, a break and get away but it's always really good to get to be back home with you and it wasn't quite the break that we had expected but uh, I just want to Say to all of you, thank you for how you have covered our family in prayer through the course of the last several weeks, and especially over the course of the past week. And though um, things did not turn out this past week the way that we had hoped and prayed, God is indeed faithful. Uh, the song that we opened with today, Your Grace is Enough. You know, it's amazing how many times we can sing or say truths that we know here that's a fact, but it really doesn't mean a whole lot until you go through seasons where you really just need for God's presence and God's grace to be there, and it always is, and suddenly those simple words mean a whole lot more, and you realize you don't have to be afraid, whatever goes on, because whatever happens in life, the love of God, the presence and the grace of God is indeed enough, so uh, it has been a reminder of that. But thank you so much for just so many of you who have reached out and been kind and thoughtful and And just for the covering of prayers, it makes such a huge difference in a season like what our family's gone through. So thank you for that. It has been uh, quite a week for the whole country, hasn't it? Um, It has been a a strange week. And I want to just offer a a word of encouragement to us. I have a feeling probably collectively we're tired, among other things. I mean, I've sort of had to step back. And laugh a little bit at just our own experience of the past week in terms of, you know, the whole idea of, are you rested up after a week of vacation? And I'm thinking, when I rewind what all has gone on in the last ten days, that's almost like a cruel joke. (laughs) We, We were supposed to fly out, we were supposed to leave the house Thursday of a week ago at the crack of dawn. And this little hurricane slipped in the back door on that night. So we were up before daylight with a flashlight trying to clean up outside before the sun came up so we could be in the car leaving when the sun came up on Thursday morning, which made for a little bit of a stressful departure like, God, could you get this hurricane on through here so we can leave and go relax and then you catch a plane and go somewhere and within the first 36 hours, a family member passes and then instead of staying where you flew to, you're flying somewhere else you didn't plan to go and the stress of that and then we throw in this little election in there and all the chaos surrounding that and then we flew home last night and lo and behold y'all are letting another hurricane in the back door apparently <laughs> there's, a, there's another one out there and I'm just thinking that probably in some ways is descriptive of how a lot of people feel about life like you're equipped to handle one thing but doesn't it sort of feel like there are a lot of different layers of things that have stacked up that that we have to deal with And it's easy for that to feel overwhelming for us if we just focus on the worst of what could be, the worst outcome that might happen. And I want to just remind us of a couple of things. One, nothing has caught God off guard in any of this. He has not lost control, the kingdom is not unraveling, and God's kingdom agenda is marching forward. So we can take real comfort in knowing that. And seasons like this really become an opportunity for us to press in and to really depend on God and experience the grace and the presence of God in ways that are real and that will bring us peace and help. So don't get angry and don't don't get afraid in a season like this. Let this be a prompting for us to press into Him, and that's what today is going to be all about, is learning to do that every day on a moment-by-moment basis. And, I, and I, before I even dive into that, I want to just say a word specifically about the season that we're in. I mean, right now, this week, there has been so much unrest and angst just over this election. I don't ever remember in my life an election where there's been just so much fear and, and anger and hatred. Like, It's not like we have opposing ideas that are just sort of different it's as if whoever isn't with me is the enemy I mean haven't you felt that more this cycle than you ever have before it's not just like liberals and conservatives have differences of opinion and we we sort of need both in the balance it's no we if our side doesn't win we're going down the drain because the enemy has won it's just been the the tenor of this whole thing and so it feels like everybody's in a mode of either celebrating because the devil has been crushed or mourning because the devil is ascending. I mean, there's no in-between, is there? Are are you with me? Do you know what I'm talking about? I mean, it's like we, we have so divided ourselves over this thing that people are in one mode or the other. And I just want to remind us all that for those of us who belong to Christ and who are a part of the kingdom... I'm not suggesting that we shouldn't care about elections and that we shouldn't take part in the process. We absolutely should. I always do. But regardless of your party affiliation or what your ideology is in terms of politics, we as believers have a responsibility to act with some composure and confidence and as people who are full of hope, who understand Democrats and Republicans are going to rise and fall. There will be an ebb and flow, but we don't lose hope because our hope is never in a president or a particular session of the Congress. Our hope is in Christ, and he reigns above and beyond and through these things. I don't really care who you voted for. We should be people who have hope right now. And... I say that as a believer, but I also say that as an American. This republic has endured all kinds of seasons and all kinds of leaders, and praise God, the republic has endured. So whether you're sky high because your candidates got elected or or just in a low place because your candidate was defeated, It's time for us to kind of get over ourselves and say heaven is still open and Jesus is still on the throne and the kingdom is moving forward and America will survive. Can I get an amen? The country will survive. And so let's be careful in what we say and in what we post and let's stop freaking out because we read the latest thing that somebody posted on social media and maybe... Just maybe it would be smart for a time to stop listening to CNN and Fox News and reading social media as our main intake and for a season decide that some of that input needs to be replaced with us just spending a little more time in prayer and with the Lord and with some healthy people so that we actually get our souls back to a place of, of health. Okay, that's not what I'm preaching on today, but I just figured that's worth saying just figure we ought to do that. Now, let's turn our attention to the Word. Matthew chapter 6. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew 6. We are uh, one week away from finishing this current series on learning how to pray. And I feel like what we're going to talk about today is maybe, at least a portion of this, maybe the most important thing that I'll share in the course of this series as we're going to be talking about learning how to pray throughout the day to me one of the most challenging and and for a lot of my life just it felt like one of those unreachable verses is first thessalonians 517 which says pray without ceasing did that not just sound like the most impossible thing to do I mean maybe I just have spiritual add but it always felt like a challenge to me for most of my life to stay focused on prayer for 15 minutes straight without my brain just going down all of these different rabbit trails where it's like, wait a minute, I was praying two minutes ago and now I'm far off of prayer because my mind's just run down a trail over here. And It's like praying just for little blocks of time seems so hard. And Paul says, pray without ceasing. Is there anybody besides me that has felt challenged by that thought? How on earth can you pray without ceasing? And for those of you who are going, oh, no, this is going to be really overwhelming stuff, I want to tell you, today is not going to be overwhelming. Today is not going to stack more on your plate of more things to feel guilty about that you need to be doing better. I believe today is going to be liberating for many of us as we discover really a new, for some of us, what's probably going to be a new and different way of praying that makes prayer feel like less of a burden and more of just a natural thing that flows throughout the day that doesn't require a lot of uh, spiritual muscles to do it, that just becomes the natural overflow of our relationship with God. We begin with what Paul says in Ephesians 6.18. If you'll look at the top of your outline, he said this, Pray in the Spirit at all times with all kinds of prayers, asking for everything you need, and to do this, You must always be ready and never give up and always pray for all God's people. Boy, that one verse packs a lot. That's a whole sermon in one verse because Paul tells us seven things about prayer in one verse. To start with, he says, pray in the Spirit, which is a good reminder that prayer isn't just about what's on my mind, that I need the help of the Holy Spirit in this interaction with God when I pray. He says, do it at all times. That's what we're going to talk about today. With all kinds of prayers, we'll look at that today, that there's a lot of different ways to pray and it helps to, to engage in a variety of different ways. He says, asking for everything that you need, so there's nothing off limits. If you care about it, God cares about it and He wants you to talk to Him about it. And to do this, you must always be ready. Fifth instruction there, it requires some intentionality. Today's going to be about that. It's going to be helping us to be mindful and sort of have a plan and a framework for how to do this. And never give up. It's one of the most fundamental things Jesus talked about in prayer, was how. Perseverance is one of the biggest things we can bring to prayer that we don't give up. And then, seventh and finally, he says, And always pray for all God's people. A reminder that prayer isn't just about me and Jesus, that prayer is a way of, of me being connected to you and being a part of God's plan for bringing real help and deliverance into your life, that it's important for us to pray for each other. So, how do we begin to do this thing that Paul has said, Pray in the Spirit? at all times. Well, what I want to share with you today is two very simple ways of incorporating this into your life, two different ways of praying at all times. And it's not going to be like option A and option B and you've got to choose which of these you do. What you'll see is these two actually fit very well together, but but it's two different approaches and I want to put both of them before you today. The first one is a very simple one, two simple ways to pray through the day. The first one is to maintain an ongoing conversation with God that's just open-ended all day long. Again, 1 Thessalonians five seventeen. never stop praying. Well, what would that look like? I grew up in the church, and one of the basic things that I ever learned about prayer was a good framework for how to, to have your prayer time, like in your quiet time when you're just going to have some extended time to be alone with God. And the one that always stuck for me was the ACTS acronym, A-C-T-S. Anybody remember that one? Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication That it's a a pattern that you pray for You you begin by spending time Worshipping God, adoring God Confession of sins, thanksgiving to God For the specific things that He's given you in your life, and then supplication, praying for your needs and the needs of other people. And so that just became ingrained into my thinking. And so any time that I'm praying, it's like didn't feel like I could pray unless I went through A, C, T, S, that I've got to do all these parts because that's what a proper prayer should be like. Now, that was my version, but for most of us who've been in church for a very long time, we tend to get ingrained with the idea that there's a right way to pray, that there's some pattern that you go through. And in your quiet time, when you have extended time with God, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you're going to pray throughout the day, the easiest way to do that is to throw those things aside and to just have this ongoing running dialogue with God where just little arrow prayers that are typically just one sentence, one thought, two sentences at the most become prayers to God. Whatever's going on, whether it's in a a moment of uncertainty, God, what do I do? If it's a moment of decision, which way should I go? If it's a moment of just inspiration or, or observing beauty, to just go, wow, God, this is beautiful. Thank you. You did a great job there. To just say to God what you're feeling, what you're thinking, what you're experiencing in much the same way that you do, do with a close friend. Jackie and I just returned from vacation. It would not have been the same experience at all if I had just gone to California by myself. Half of the joy of that experience is having the person that I love the most at my side so that we can just go back and forth dialoguing about what we're seeing and what we're experiencing. We we stayed on the strand in Southern California. It's a about a twenty five foot wide paved walkway, sidewalk, you can't drive on it. That's right on the beach. It's on the sand. So it's just it's beautiful. It goes twenty something miles south of Los Angeles and we would bike up and down that thing, and it's just, it's breathtaking, because you're looking at the Pacific in this direction, and all this strange variety of homes on the other side of you, and all of this wonderful variety of people coming at you, and, you know, just as rednecks from L.A., from this version of L.A., riding up and down there, everything's amusing and entertaining to us, and it's so much more fun to have her next to me. I mean, I love just seeing other parts of the country, but like our first day out there, we go out for our bike ride, and just two of the random things that we encounter, one is a woman who's out on the beach who is taking her falcon out for a flight. I mean, literally, you know, like, like Auburn and their eagle. Well, she's just got her falcon out letting him fly around and come back to her, and the next thing we go up the way, and it's a hang glider crossing for the, for the little strip there, and people are mounting their hang gliders and taking off there at the beach, and I'm like, it ain't Gulf Shores. It's it's different. You know, Dorothy, we're not in Kansas anymore. But it's so much more fun to just dialogue back and forth. Now, can I tell you what that does not look like? It is not, Jackie. Now, you shut up and listen while I give you a running monologue for the next two hours as we ride. And I tell you about everything that's going on. No, that's not what happens. It's It's a sentence here. It's being quiet and just looking. It's listening to what she says. That's what dialogue looks like between two people. Well, a prayer life that is just a running dialogue with God looks a lot like that. Except I don't have to have a flesh and blood person there next to me. It's just natural to be able to say, Oh, God, that was beautiful. That was great. You hear the sound of a siren and your heart goes, Oh, I hope those people are okay. Instead of just saying that to yourself, it's going, Oh, God, help them, comfort them right now. It's just an open dialogue. And here's the interesting thing. Most of us, if, if you stop to think about it, most of us have an ongoing dialogue with ourselves all day long. You're not, you realize you're not the only person who does that, right? How many of you have a running dialogue with yourself all day long? Yes, thank you. Okay, I didn't know if you'd leave me hanging out to dry on that. We all do that. We, we just have this little conversation in our heads. This type of prayer is simply training your mind to recognize that you're not just with yourself at all times, that if you're a follower of Christ... That you're in the presence of God all the time. That he's there with you. And instead of just saying it to yourself, you're saying it to God. So that instead of you just going to yourself, wow, that was was incredible. I can't believe that I got to see that. That in the presence of God, you're going, wow, God, that was awesome. I can't believe you did that. You did such a great job on that. You're saying essentially the same things. Instead of directing it to yourself, you're just training your mind to say that in the presence of God, to declare that to him. Are you with me? I mean, could anything be easier and less work than that? Now, I realize that a lot of us have a sort of a different mindset about prayer, where we think it's supposed to begin in a certain way. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, and we've got to land the plane To We pray all of these things in the matchless name of Jesus Christ our Lord. There's nothing wrong with those words. That's great. But if you think you have to ta- attach those as the front and back bumper of every prayer that you pray throughout the day, it's going to limit your prayer life. So the key to ongoing conversation is take those pieces off and just throw up sentence prayers. Never end it. Never wrap it up with, in Jesus' name, amen, which is basically spiritual work, 10-4 over and out. I'm done. We're not done. He's with us, so we're going to keep talking with him. And if you feel like, "Ah, I just don't feel like praying today, that is a very good indicator that you're not talking to God about the right things. How could that be? Can we talk to God about anything? Sure, we can. But if you're feeling like, I don't want to talk to God, it's a good indicator. I'm not talking to him about the right things. And what I mean is, we're not talking to him about the things that we're feeling right now. Because we always are ready to, to, at some level, think about that, talk about that. And if I don't feel like talking to God at all, then I probably feel like I'm supposed to be talking to God about spiritual stuff, about God stuff. And I don't feel like talking about that. Well, then we're off base. Because God doesn't want us talking to him about the things that we think that he wants to hear. What God wants is that we would talk to him about whatever's on our minds. I mean, what would our relationship look like in a marriage if Jackie could only talk to me about the things that she's already thought about in advance and she's made a list of the things that she thinks that I want to hear? What kind of weird relationship would that be? No, it's just this natural ebb and flow of just talking about whatever's on your mind, whatever you're enjoying, whatever you're worried about, whatever you're thinking about. And, boy, sometimes that's fun between us because our minds are like pinballs bouncing around. We were laughing driving home from the airport last night at how random our conversation is. It would be crazy if anybody else heard our conversation. We're the two most random people in the world. But that's okay. We love each other, and so it can be totally random, and God is that way with us. He's not going stone. Come on, focus in, man. I thought we were talking about one thing here. You've gone in five different directions. No, he's totally good with that because he's there in all of those directions. And when you just talk to him about whatever you're feeling, whatever you're stressed about, and it doesn't have to be a big, big monologue. It can just be, God, I, what, why do I feel this way today? How, how many of you on Monday mornings wake up more stressed than any other day of the week? Have you ever felt like Monday is the Monday morning is the most stressful? Time of the week. You know what? You don't have to say a long prayer about that, but it's okay to start the day by going, God, why well, am I so stressed out right now? Please help me not to be, and move on. How hard is that? That's a conversational kind of relationship with God. Praying just what you're feeling, thinking, planning, worried about, frustrated about in the moment. So that's the first way. Maintain an ongoing conversation with God. But now I want to share with you a second plan. For praying throughout the day, and that is to schedule set times of prayer throughout the day. That, now that may sound like the opposite of what I just said. It's not the opposite; it just meshes well with this because it gives us several different touch points to remind us to turn our attention back to the Lord. David said in Psalm one nineteen one sixty four, seven times a day I praise you. Daniel referenced the fact that he had three different times of day: morning, noon, and night. That were set times that he would go to a particular place and spend time in prayer. The Muslim people, in many ways, put Christians to shame in terms of, of their prayer lives. You know, there are five times a day that every brand of Muslim is going to get on their knees and they're going to pray. They're praying to a God who isn't even real, and yet they are more committed to their prayer time than most Christians are. Would you agree? I mean, you visit the Middle East or Indonesia or any of these Muslim-dominated nations, five times a day, wherever you are, you're going to hear the call to prayer going out through those minarets. If you haven't ever been there before, it will freak you out when the first one goes out about four in the morning and it's pitch black dark. And, man, Muslims all over are getting on their faces in prayer. Somehow, I feel like that ought to move us to realize there's something wrong when pagan people are more committed to prayer than Christian people are to connecting with the one true God in prayer. Now, I'm not trying to to pretend like we're trying to catch on to what the Muslims do. The truth of the matter is, what the Muslims do is actually a reflection of what Christians have done for a very long time. You know, back in the earliest days of the Christian church, the Roman Empire was the great empire of the world. In Jesus' day, they were under Roman rule. And in those times, the Romans would build a forum in pretty much every city, and they would build a bell tower into the forum. And here's just your little short history lesson for a frame of reference on what we're about to talk about. They would uh, use the bell tower, since the clock had not been invented, they they used the bell tower to mark time. And so there would be six or seven bells at set times throughout the day, and Roman time made more sense to me than what our time does today because for Roman Time, uh, prime for them, the beginning of the day was essentially at sunup. We, we start our day at the strangest time. I mean, think about it. Our zero hour is in the middle of the night when everybody's asleep. Nothing is starting at midnight, and yet we start our clocks in the middle of the night. For Romans, the zero hour was essentially what we would call 6 a.m. The bell would ring for the first time, and that was the call to go to work. Start your work day. Three hours later, the second bell would ring. They call that the third hour. We call it 9 a.m. In Jesus, the story of Jesus' crucifixion, it's all given in Roman time. Jesus was hung on the cross at the third hour, 9 a.m. The third bell would ring at noon. That was the call to stop work. You've been at work for six hours. It's time for your lunch break. In the scriptures, while Jesus is hanging on the cross, at the sixth hour, straight up noon, everything became dark. At the ninth hour, what we would call 3 p.m., is when Jesus gave up his spirit and died. He hung on the cross from the third hour to the ninth hour, from 9 a.m. To, to 3 p.m. The bell is ringing each of these times, every three hours. It rang at noon to send you to lunch. It rings again at 3 to come back from lunch. You see, they knew how to siesta way before the Hispanic and, and uh, those cultures ever knew of a siesta. The Romans called for a three-hour lunch break, the bell would ring again at 3, and then it would ring again at 6 in the evening saying, it's time to go home from work. Altogether, there were six or seven different bells that chimed from the towers, and the earliest Christians and Jews decided, if we have to listen to these dumb Roman bells chiming, telling us to go to work, come home from work and all that, we could use them for something positive and helpful, and so they decided to let every time the bell rang be a call to prayer. And so it became a fundamental part of the Christian experience. When the bell would ring at six in the morning, that's the time, reminding us to prayer. At nine, at noon, at three, at six, and so this became the the standard for Christians. And the church held on to this for centuries. In fact, to this day, within the Catholic Church, the liturgy of the hours, which is also known as Divine Office, is a very elaborate way of praying. In fact, if There are four volumes on divine office, this liturgy of the prayers, using the different bells that that ring at the different times of day to chime, calling us to prayer. Well, after the Roman Empire had fallen, the Christian church really liked this idea, and so every monastery that was built was built with a bell tower. And they did the same thing. They would ring the bell just to call people to prayer. They expanded it and made it ring even during the wee hours of the night to call people to prayer at like 2 in the morning. You don't want to get into that. And trust me, I'm not about to teach you how to get into that. But it is kind of interesting to know that in the 14th century, these poor monks who for generations have been having to get up and ring the bell, ring the bell, ring the bell to say, come and pray. And they began to think, wouldn't it be nice if we could create some kind of mechanical device that would just automatically at the proper times ring the bell and call us to prayer instead of us having to wake up and go and, and ring the bell. And so they set about to to solve this problem and they created this device that in Latin it, it used the word for bell and the Latin word is C L O C. You might have heard of it before. The clock was created not just to keep time so that we could pack more into our day. It was created to keep us on course and to just give us little reminders through the day of just calls to prayer again and again. Well, what we want to do is to use the same principle of having some set times in the day when we return to just a moment of prayer briefly. But we're not going to have to have an alarm clock to do that because we're going to use five things that you naturally do every day. And we're not going to use some really lengthy liturgy. We're going to use the Lord's Prayer as our guide. So I'm going to invite you to look with me at Matthew chapter 6, one of the most familiar passages in all the Bible. It's in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus has been talking about prayer in this section, and we'll just kind of pick up in the middle of what he's saying. In verse 7 of Matthew 6, when Jesus said, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Don't you love that Jesus included that there? And isn't that one of the most liberating things that you could ever hear about prayer? I mean, don't you sort of expect from just religious experience that Jesus would say, now, if you're really going to get into prayer, the first thing you need to do is carve out a lot of time. Because good prayer takes a lot of time. You're going to need to be on your knees for hours. Jesus said the exact opposite. He said, don't think that you're gaining points in your prayer life by making it longer. Remember, longer isn't stronger when it comes to prayer. He says, your father already knows what you need, so don't try and make it lots of words. And he says this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And you probably have to look to your footnotes to see the, the final line of the prayer because it's not in all of the ancient manuscripts. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. A lot that's packed in this little model prayer that Jesus gives for us. And what I want to do is take just a few minutes to point out how we can take the model prayer that Jesus has given and use it as a guide for claiming five little moments throughout the day where we pause and pray using the different types of prayers, the different areas of attention that Jesus has given for us. We're going to move through these quickly. The first one is that you get up with gratitude and bless God's name as the very, very first act of your day before your feet ever even hit the ground. Someone asked, do you wake up grumpy in the morning? And the woman said, no, I usually just let him sleep. Well, no, really. Do you wake up grumpy and grouchy in the morning? Do you, do you tend to just wake up in a funk? Some people wake up just so happy and some people so grumpy. Did you know that scientists, researchers have found that for most of us, the primary mood that we carry for the day is set in the first eight minutes of the day? First eight minutes set the tone for the mood that you're going to be in. So what you do when you first wake up is critically important. I would suggest to you that you begin to make it a habit that you take the first 60 seconds or so when you wake up in the morning, don't jump out of bed. Pause and begin with the opening line of the Lord's Prayer and let that be a guide for about a minute or a minute and a half where you focus your attention on the Lord. And you use that opening line, Our Father in Heaven, hallowed be your name. Pause for just a moment and just say, Oh God, thank you that you are my Father. That... As my Father, I know you are committed to me and meeting my needs and protecting me. Thank you for that. May your name be honored today. Turn your attention to the wonderful knowledge that if you're a Christian, God is your Father. So every good thing you've ever gotten came from His hand. Everything you're going to need is going to come from His hand for you. And just thank Him for that. Why don't you take just a moment of that time to be specific in saying, thank you, God, that you're my Father, that you meet all of my needs, and thank you that I woke up today in a warm bed with a pillow under my head, air conditioning taking care of me, and a roof over my head. Whatever. Be specific. Name two or three things that you're thankful for and just declare His goodness in that. James 1.17 is a reminder. Every good thing comes from God. Every perfect gift comes from Him. These good gifts come down from the Father, so pause to just thank Him for that, and then do the second part of that, where it says, "Hallowed be Your name," to honor the name of the Lord. Psalm one forty-five two says, "Every day I will bless Your name." Did you know, eighty times in the Psalms we are called on to exalt the name of the Lord, to give thanks to the name of the Lord, to bless the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord represents the character of the Lord, the person behind that name. And so part of what we do in prayer is to just declare and honor His name. And in Scripture, there's a lot of names for God. There are about, in in Hebrew and Greek, there are about a hundred names and titles for God because He is a great God. There are so many different facets to who He is. And to pause for just a moment in that first minute or minute and a half of the day and to just declare at least one of the names of God as we hallow and honor the name of God. I've given you just a handful of them that the Scripture says about God. Psalm 910 says, Those who know your name trust in you, Lord, for you have never forsaken those who seek you. So I've given you just a handful of the names of God. God says, I am Abba, your father. God, thank you for being a father to me. I am Eldia, God who knows everything. Now, this is not Madia. That's a woman who thinks she knows everything. No, this is God who says, I am Eldia. God who knows everything about you, who knows everything. The scripture says that God is Jehovah Rapha. That is the God, your healer. Jehovah Jireh, God, your provider. Jehovah Shalom, God, your peace. El Shaddai, God Almighty. Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord, your righteousness. Now, I'm not saying that you sit here and rehearse all of these. What I'm saying is, as you... And you may want to just take a little index card and start just jotting down some of the names of God that speak to you as you're reading the scriptures each day and have them beside your table. Just pick one of those or two of those and just declare them. Lord, thank you that today, God, you are Jehovah Jireh and you meet all of my needs. You are Jehovah Rapha. I don't have to worry about my health because you are the Lord, my healer, and I rest in that today. You wake up on Monday morning and feel stressed out. God, I honor you today that you are Jehovah Shalom, you are God, my peace, and I receive that. That's easy, isn't it? It literally doesn't take more than 60 to 90 seconds to just celebrate the fatherhood of God, to thank Him for a couple of the things that He's done for you, and to just declare the name of God and honor it. We begin the day with just a moment of gratitude, thanksgiving, and praise. The second time that we choose to focus in on Him is either, I would suggest, either at breakfast or when you're driving to work or driving to the gym, the first time that you leave the house, not all of us eat breakfast. I usually, on a work day, don't eat breakfast, so that's not a good reminder for me. But it's easy enough to remember when I'm leaving the house, driving to the gym or wherever, the first time in the morning, that pause then to remember what matters most. This is a brief prayer of dedication we use the next line of the Lord's prayer may your kingdom come soon and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven this is a moment where we pause to ask what matters most God my aunt is already getting revved up about the things that I think that I need to do today but help me today to remember what matters most your kingdom agenda what's that about oh yeah it's about justice and generosity and compassion and truth lord help me to be committed to the things that you say really matter the goal here is to align myself with god's great purposes in the world and to just pause to remember that while we may love to sing about the great circle of life To remember that life isn't a circle, that life is linear and it is moving in a direction that God has ordained. And I want to make sure that I am a part of what God is doing in moving the ball down the field. Helping people to come to know and trust Jesus and to see the goodness of the kingdom of God expressed through ordinary people like you and me who love deeply and who love sacrificially. It's a very, very simple, very short centering prayer, centering in on what really matters. May God, may your kingdom come and your will be done in this world and in my life and family. The third reminder is lunchtime. That's kind of the third bell for us. At lunch, voice your needs to God. This is petition prayer where we just pause for a moment and voice to God the things that we need. The line in the Lord's Prayer is, give us today our daily bread. Daily bread is just a reminder of whatever we need in life. Money, food, a job, a mate, a child, whatever it is that your heart is longing for or that you're needing. Now, you can rest assured that Jesus' hearers in the first century, when they heard that line, give us today our daily bread, that their minds would have immediately gone back to the whole Exodus experience, how God provided bread from heaven on a daily basis. It was was that picture of manna and the, the incredible lesson about the manna that there was always going to be enough for that day, but you couldn't go out and gather up for the whole week because manna didn't keep overnight. It would rot overnight. You had to trust God the next day to give you what you needed for that day. And so, God, I'm asking you today to give me what I need today. And Jesus said, whatever you need, you can ask for. In John fourteen thirteen, he said, you can ask for anything in my name. So whatever it is, big or small, it may seem silly or insignificant. It may be, God, I need a house. I need a home. I need a new start. I need a car. Mine is, is not running anymore. Ask for anything. Don't be afraid. This is the part of the, the day that we pause to ask for what we need, but where we also pause to consider, who is it that's really on my mind that has a need in their life that I'll hold them up as well? Notice that he says, give us today our daily bread. It's that reminder. It's not just me and Jesus. I'm a part of a family where if John's got a need over here, boy, I, want to, I want to make sure that I'm pausing each day to lift up John and his need to the Lord as much as I lift up my own. And then the fourth bell for us is, I would suggest for you, at the end of the workday, when you're driving home at the end of the day, whatever it is that's the transition point for you from work to you know, dinner time and, and rest in the evening, and for a lot of people, that would be the drive home. At the end of the workday, ask for forgiveness and strength to overcome temptation. This is the prayer of confession and protection. The fourth part of the Lord's prayer says, "And forgive us our sins, as we have forgiven those who sin against us, and don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one." This is a again, it's a simple prayer. It's a short prayer, but it's where, okay, now we've been through our our interactions with the world in the workday. And we're pausing to go, God, a lot's gone on today. Help me to recognize if I have unfinished business. Is there anything that I've said or done today that didn't represent you well? Have I behaved in inappropriate or offensive ways? Are there words that I need to go back and apologize for ask forgiveness for? Am I holding on to hurt or bitterness? Because notice that he's talking about forgiveness from God and forgiveness that we have given to others. So it's that moment where we pray and go, God, just help me to recognize what's going on today. Am I carrying some hurt or unforgiveness? Do I have anything that I need to go back and apologize for? Anything that God exposes, Lord, I want to ask you to forgive me and help me to see how to make that right. Thank you for the blood of Jesus that covers me. So that's the confession portion. David said in Psalm 32, 5, I decided to confess my sins to the Lord. I stopped hiding my guilt and told you about all of my sins, and you forgave them all. You know, here's a wonderful thought. There is no reason for any Christian to go around feeling guilty. Ever. Because if every day we practice this thing that Jesus has given us in the model of prayer, you don't have to feel guilty about anything. Because we just stay current in confession. We're just in this constant dialogue with God now when I'm driving home, is my time to say, God, is there anything that... That's gone on today that we need to deal with anything that I need to make right anything I need to ask forgiveness for once we ask forgiveness man it's cleansed it's, it's forgotten never brought up again so that's the confession piece that's brief and then the second part of that is praying Lord don't let me yield to temptation but rescue me from the evil one and you may say well that's kind of an odd time of day to be doing that I'm just telling you for me practically this is the perfect time of day to do it I do pretty well on most days. Well, it's a dangerous thing to say. I'll trip up this week. But most days I do pretty well through the work day. I'll be disciplined. I'll make good decisions. I'll eat well through the day. From the time I get up till 5 o'clock in the evening, I'll be amazed a lot of days at how on target I can be as far as focused on the right things, doing the right things. But I want to tell you, between 5 o'clock and 10 o'clock, the devil wears me out a lot of days. I want to eat everything that doesn't eat me. Seriously. All the commercials for delicious fattening stuff are between 5 and 11 o'clock at night. I want to make terrible decisions about what I eat. It's in the evening hours when I have downtime and I'm not focused and I'm not structured that temptation is at its worst. And I think that's true for a lot of people. If you're alone in those hours, it's tempting to, to watch or listen to stuff that, that brings you down or that's not good for you or that's sexually inappropriate. In those downtime hours, it may be tempting to get on the computer and you know try, reach out and make some connections that aren't healthy connections, whether it's what we put in our mouths or what we do with our time. A lot of times it's in the evening that we let down our guard. This is a great time as the day is ending. Lord, I'm asking you now to protect me, to help me. Guard me against temptation and from the evil one. It is a reminder that my willpower is not enough. I need the help of God if I'm going to make good decisions. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will also provide The way of escape so that you will be able to endure it. It's a great reminder. We're all in the same boat. We all are tempted. We all struggle. I think sometimes we fall under the illusion that if we've been a Christian for a lot of years and we've been in church for a lot of years, we shouldn't be tempted anymore. We ought to be past that. You can forget that. I've heard that about three days after we die, this temptation thing gets a lot better. But up until then, it wears us out. We are going to need the help and grace of God. Now, you may not be tempted by what I'm tempted by and vice versa, but we struggle with temptation. For some, we struggle with what comes out of our mouths. For others, what goes into our mouths. I mean, it just it's all different kinds of things, but we all are going to struggle. And it doesn't do you any good to say, well, I shouldn't even be tempted by that anymore. Well, who cares? You are. We are. And so we pray every day, Lord, deliver us from the evil one. I need your help. And the good news that Paul gives us in First Corinthians ten thirteen is whatever it is, God is always going to give you a way of escape. Which means that no Christian gets to say, well, I can't help it, it's just the way I was born. God just made me this way, he must be okay with it. Well, if the, what we're talking about is some sinful habit, then no, God did not make us to continue to commit that same sin again and again. And we've sort of arrived at a place in our culture where it's like, if you can call it an addiction, then it's really okay. I get to go back and do it again and again because, see, I have an addiction. Yes, addictions are real, but it doesn't negate the truth of what we just read. Whatever your temptation is, God will provide a way of escape, period. That doesn't mean He's going to give you enough willpower in the moment, whatever your struggle, so that that is your way of escape. That is not what He promised. He just promised generically, there is a way of escape. Oh, by the way, if you have an addiction, your way of escape is probably going to involve something like an accountability partner. Getting in something like Celebrate Recovery, working the steps, having a sponsor, doing the hard work so that when the hour of temptation comes, you're crying out to God and you're getting on the phone to somebody that you trust and saying, hey, I think I'm about to blow it here. I need to talk to you. God just gave you your way of escape. But you have to cooperate and reach out to get that lifeline. Amen? We pray for that every day. And as the day ends and we're moving into our downtime, that's a good time to do that. The fifth and final piece, and this is the simplest one. As you go to bed, either when you're brushing your teeth, getting ready to go to bed, or when you're climbing in the bed, in the day... With just an exclamation of praise This is the benediction of the day The word benediction just means good word You end the day on a good word The final good word of the Lord's prayer is this For yours is the kingdom And the power And the glory forever Amen That is a great way to end the day, isn't it? Now what I would suggest is As you move through these different touch points in the day That you actually use that line of the Lord's prayer As your prompting To just focus for a moment in that direction As you end the day, Lord, I just rest tonight in knowing that yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory. It is just a reminder that puts our hearts at peace at knowing whatever else we've been troubled about. We just made the mistake of reading the latest social media post about what's fixing to happen to the government or whatever. And it's like, I'm getting uptight about that. And then we just step back and go, oh, God, I celebrate that you are the king. You are the great king. And the kingdom is yours. You are in control. And I celebrate the fact that the events of today are not the end of the story. And I celebrate the fact that you and your family win. That's a great way to end the day. Now, it doesn't take more than about 45 seconds to do that. But that's a great bookend on the day. We wake up celebrating God as our Father. Celebrating the goodness of God and honoring His name. As we get the day rolling... We're, we're still just continuing in that mode of prayer as we turn our attention toward the day that's ahead and God's kingdom agenda, His kingdom coming, His will being done. By the middle of the day, we're pausing to ask God for what we need. As we move into the evening, we're pausing to confess sin, and we're asking God to guard us from temptation and the evil one, and we just celebrate the, the evening with just a brief explosion of praise. and interspersed among all those things is just an open dialogue with God where whatever we're feeling, whatever we're experiencing in that moment, we're just offering up these little quick arrow prayers and keeping our hearts open to what God would say. That is a lifestyle of just intimacy with God, praying throughout the day. Let me ask you, be honest, does that sound doable? Does that sound overwhelming? It It is doable. Prayer isn't meant to be a mountain to be climbed or a chore to be done. It's it's an invitation to intimacy that's as natural as breathing. As breathing is to the body, prayer is to the soul. And Jesus gives us this wonderful, simple pattern for how to relate to God and just connect to Him throughout the day. Why don't we put into practice what we've talked about by right now, just pausing to turn our our minds' attention, and our hearts' affection toward Him in prayer. So would you bow together with me if you're watching and listening online. Would you join us as we pray together? God, we want to know you better. Wherever we are across the great spectrum of life, we say together, we want to know you better. We realize that prayer was never designed to be a chore. That It is an invitation to intimacy with you, and we want to know what that's like. Some of us have have become all too familiar with religion, and it's tangled us up. And so we ask you, God, help help us get untangled with some of the religious practices that maybe became burdensome. And help us to discover once again what it is like to have a Father who loves us and enjoys us and invites us to enjoy you. Jesus, help us, by the work of your Spirit, teach us to pray, help us not to be hard on ourselves, not to feel like this is some burden, but we ask you, first of all, for a simple gift. Would you salt our souls in a way that we find ourselves thirsty and hungry for more of you? We can't muster that. We If we did, it won't last past Tuesday or Wednesday. But by your sovereign work, would you create in us a hunger and a thirst to draw close to you? And then would you help us to to bring some discipline and mindfulness to the equation so that we actually spend some time, just little moments through the day, turning our attention toward you, cultivating a mindfulness to, to stay open to you and what you're saying. We're still in a mode of prayer. I realize that there are some people who are still just considering the possibility of a relationship with God. That all of this may sound a little foreign. If that's you, I want to invite you today to take a risk of just opening your heart to Jesus. You may not even be 100% convinced that God is real. I want to challenge you to step out on a limb and choose to believe that Jesus is real and wants to know you. Why don't you invite him into your life? Experience his love and forgiveness. Why don't you just say from your heart, Jesus, I need you. I want to have a relationship with you. I choose to believe the message that you died for my sins and that you came back from the dead. The best way I know how, I'm asking you to come into my life and take control. I'm asking you to lead me and change me and make a new person out of me. God, I thank you for hearing and answering those prayers. Thank you for the work that you're doing in us. I pray that you would teach us to be a praying people, a listening people. And we thank you that as we do this, that you make us a holy people and that you fill us with your power. We long for that. We open ourselves up to that. We pray, have your way in us, Lord Jesus. We pray these things all in your name. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I surely hope that what you heard was relevant and helpful and above everything. I hope that what you experienced today really helped your heart to connect with the heart of God. Now, if what you heard uh, for you stirred up any questions or maybe led you toward uh, some type of spiritual decision, maybe you want to talk with someone about something that's on your mind, I would love to hear from you. And so I would encourage you, reach out by email. At the bottom of the screen, you see my email address. It's mark at myfreedomchurch.net. That's not going to go to a secretary or an assistant. That will come directly to me. I'd love to hear from you and talk with you about anything that's on your mind. And if in the future you're in our area, we would love for you to come and worship with us at Freedom Church. But until then, we invite you to access all of the sermon material that you find online. Again, thanks so much for taking the time to join us today. Hope that you have a great day.